Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. There's been an awakening. Have you felt it? Yes. Even you. to be the, the Brian and Amy Super Show. I don't know what number this is because I'm just so overloaded on Star Wars stuff because Amy and I are in Disneyland. I did it. I hopped in the car and I, I, I flew all the way down here forgetting everyone because of all the Star Wars stuff around here. You abandoned your family. You said, see you guys. I'm going to Disneyland. Um, I mean, it was more complicated than that. Uh-huh. Um... I mean, they, they invited me. Like, it wasn't like I was just like, I'm going to go to Disneyland. I mean... It makes it a little better. A little more acceptable. Um, so, Disneyland. I mean, you, you've you experienced all the Season of the Force stuff, so they're doing this Season of the Force thing at Disneyland. And uh, I was not prepared for how actually amazing it was. I know. I keep trying to tell people and uh, keep trying to convince them that I'm not overselling it because they did a lot of smart work I think and it's not Star Wars land but since we're not going to get that till rumor says now 2019 it's something to get us through for a little while and to help build up excitement to The Force Awakens um Jakku was amazing on Star Tours and I don't want to like talk too much about it because there's some surprises there that I was shocked and amazed by um and I'm like I'm genuinely like I'm terrible at keeping secrets from you, Amy. And, like, you kept some Star Tours secrets from me, and I was, like, genuinely surprised. I know. There's a couple things about Jakku that I was that I had no idea about when I went in, and I was so happy, and I wanted to preserve that moment for anybody else. So I've been keeping it quiet, even though it's really, really hard, especially the second one. Um, but there's a lot of other changes to the ride too so they've updated little things so like Boba Fett makes another appearance in a different spot uh my favorite ending to the ride is Naboo um and normally the you know the the tail of the Naboo fighter crashes right through the the windscreen but that doesn't happen anymore oh it doesn't I haven't had Naboo as one of my destinations since they redid it so the the tail bends and the pit droid gets all mad and then tosses a can of yellow like Naboo yellow paint on the the shield that's cool I like that they're doing those little changes and surprising you you have to stay on your toes yeah no and it's like had I not been on this ride a trillion times I would have never noticed 
really at all. I know, and there's some other little things. Like I feel like the Millennium Falcon shows up now uh, on the landing pad in Coruscant, and yeah. I don't think it was there before. And it's kind of like little enough to you're like, was it there? Maybe I'm just forgetting. But upgrades. The most interesting thing about it is though how now like it it pretty pretty well introduces time travel into Star Wars where you're on Jakku and here's one ver- like here's one version of the Millennium Falcon leaving this hangar and here's the one on Jakku and then oh and then all of a sudden we're on Coruscant during the battle of Coruscant in the prequels. I didn't think about the difference in the Millennium Falcon like cuz I know you go through different time periods like that's a given cuz somebody once was trying to tell me that the ride was canon. And I was like, uh, I don't I think it incorporates canon elements. Yes, exactly, but but on Hyperspace Mountain, we discovered a spelling error that makes uh, X-Wing lasers canon. And so anything shot by those X-Wing lasers, I imagine, are canon. Is that the way is that, the way that works? <laughs> I think so. Um, we talked to Pablo Hidalgo about this. Oh, side note, this is a tangent, but did you see the article this week? Uh, Howard Stern, like whoever was guesting on his show, called out Pablo as part of the story group. And there's one article that basically said... If anything is inconsistent or wrong in a new Star Wars movie, it's Pablo Hidalgo's fault. Yeah, it was Cinema Blend who did that. And, and it was like, I want to get a t-shirt that says, it's Pablo Hidalgo's fault. I'm sure he would love that. I think we need to make it happen. I don't know if that'd be weird, though, like me wearing a shirt that says it's Pablo's fault. Like, it, Some few people would get it. That's probably the, the problem. So there's other stuff around here. Um, they've got... they. They turned the the Captain EO theater into a thing called Path of the Jedi, which is where we're standing right now. Like we're staying. I don't know if you can hear much of the background, but like there's Star Wars music. There's way more people than there is any right to be uh, around us, and we're standing in front of what used to be the Captain EO theater, and now this presentation called Path of the Jedi, and it's like a what five minute video that kind of charts the path of the Jedi, and it it goes through the whole saga, and I was actually kind of surprised how spoilery it was if the idea is to introduce people to the saga it kind of gives away everything yeah it's more like a it's a recap and it's edited very specifically to focus on I think Anakin's journey and then Luke's journey mostly Luke's before they show the trailer for The Force Awakens but you're right it's not a tease it's not a hey this is kind of the Star Wars galaxy it's a full on summary so if you're trying to like introduce someone to Star Wars for the first time don't take them to this no especially not if like if you want your kids' first experience to be watching the full films and not learning all the, the big reveals, don't go to Path of the Jedi. But if you're already familiar with those things, even if you have seen the movies a million times, I think it's a really well cut together. It, it hits all the emotional like highs and like makes you tear up if you're It made Brian. me cry. Yeah. If you're Brian and I, it's going to make you cry. And that's okay, because Star Wars has... Actually, the the night that I came, I don't remember if I said this on the other podcast, the night that I came to Season of the Force preview, the Star Wars music is playing in the background. I was standing about at this spot but in front of Path of the Jedi, and the Force theme played. And I got teary-eyed just because of the setting and hearing it. And Across the stars caught me that way today. Yeah. Like, I love it. It's my favorite piece of Star Wars music. And I was walking out of Space Mountain, and I'm just like, Across the Stars is playing. I'm standing in Disneyland, which makes me very happy. And here's one of my favorite pieces of music ever, and I'm surrounded by all of this Star Wars stuff. It's pretty emotional. It just kind of hits. It's kind of neat to have, I don't know if we've touched on this before, but have the whole world, it feels like, be on board with our obsession. Yeah, 
the world's like catering to us right now it feels like I don't know that I don't know it's just nice catches you off guard well and then and that happened right after I left hyperspace mountain and hyperspace mountain is incredible like I didn't think I was going to be able to actually make it out here and I watched like a, a video of it because I'm like I'm never going to see it I'm never going to experience that but I know what Space Mountain is like and so I'll just see what it's like and I, because someone put it up on YouTube so if you're never coming here go ahead and look it up it was amazing and like that kind of made me teary eyed I know but like Disney and Star Wars and Disneyland like that's it's a powerful combination of emotion for me and being here on it, it was just incredible. Like, the picture that of me off, coming off the ride the first time, I'm literally, like, just dazed. <laughs> That's an appropriate state when you go on that. I was grinning the whole time, and I don't really grin on roller coasters. They usually scare me. And I know Space Mountain is probably pretty mild compared to most roller coasters, but it still, it was a ride that I previously mostly kept my eyes closed for. But Hyperspace Mountain makes me smile the whole time. And then um, there was the launch bay, which has all kinds of stuff. I was like, uh, the video was really cool, but like, it's not like actual like props and costumes and stuff. It's all kind of like recreations of everything. Yeah, like, and they have Ray's costume, for example, but it's molded. It's not fabric. So I like seeing all the props, and I like seeing that they included everything from Rebels to the Force Awakens or the Clone Wars to the Force Awakens and the prequels. But my favorite part of it. Which is kind of, they're, they're poorly placed, but they have, like, Ezra's lightsaber and Ahsoka. So things that have only been previously seen animated for him, they actually made props for. I think those are the coolest things in there. But then most of those are also in the queues for the meet and greets, so it's hard to see them. Which is a design flaw, I think. I got to meet Chewbacca today. Oh, and you got Wookiee hugs, didn't you? It was really awkward. I'm like, you're a stranger dressed as a Wookiee hugging me. I had none of that awkwardness. I was just like, Chewbacca, of course I want to hug you. It was great. I'm not ordinarily a hugger. I am. I know. And it's fine when you do it because, like, I know you. You're not, like, a stranger in a Wookiee costume. And uh, No, as far as you know, no, that's never mind. <laughs> as far as you know, I'm not in a Wookiee costume. You would probably know if I was in a Wookiee costume. I would, and that, <laughs> but it was just really cool. Like, the whole thing was cool. Um, well, I don't know. This has just been a really amazing day. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad I came. Good. Um, I'm not glad I left my kids, Bobby. Um... <laughs> But uh, I did. That's a decision I'm going to have to live with. That'll get over it, probably. Did they give you a hard time about going? Did Anakin and Scout give you a hard time? The baby probably didn't so much notice, really. Probably little. I mean, she probably noticed you were gone, but your older kid. They, they, they were disappointed that they were not coming. And it was like, I got a plus one to take. And I was going to take Scout, but I don't have anything to do with her for all the stuff we're going to do tomorrow that you're going to hear all about. And uh, I didn't want to just leave her in a hotel room in downtown L.A. That seemed like a bad idea. And then she was going to have to miss school on Monday. And it was just like, she's already having problems with her grades. And this is way more information than anybody <laughs> on, listening on the show wants to know about Scout. But the, prob- the point is, I, I was trying to take her, but like nothing lined up for it. And she was mad at me about that. Well, I'm sure you'll hear about that for a little while. Yeah, but it's okay because this place is amazing and they don't know what they're missing out on. <laughs> so you go home and are like, kids, season of the force was awesome. You should just lie to them and be like, you know what? It was terrible. You should be so glad you didn't go. I did get them uh, Star Tours name tags. 
Um, oh, yeah. And they gave me all kinds of grief for getting Anakin's name on one. They're like, you have to prove it. That name's copyrighted. And I'm like, it's my kid's name. That's fine. So I had to, like, find his Facebook page and show it to them. And they're like, okay, we'll take this. <laughs> That's so much information that they need. So if your name is, I guess, Leia or... Uh, Luke. Luke, or, yeah, Luke, sorry, that's the copy. Um, a friend we're with mentioned, he's like, I wonder how, like, obscure they know to go. So that if you ask, like, if your name was, what's that dude's name where Obi-Wan was like, you need to go home, and three, you think your life's sleeze Ellen Sleazebagano. Yeah, so if that was your name, would they question it? I don't know. Somebody try that and let us know. I will pay you $5. They're $10 pay, badges. I will pay for your badge if you get... Please, Bogano. Why don't we just go do it now? <laughs> we could do it now. That's true. We're like, that's. I see that. Like, it's like 50 yards from here. But I actually don't want to own that badge is the problem. <laughs> you want somebody else to own it as a gift on you? I don't get it now. Oh, well, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a bad plan. <laughs> Possibly. That's why I don't make plans a lot. <laughs> um... But no, I think it's weird, too, because A, Anakin is like a Swedish name that George Lucas got from Ken Anakin, who directed Swiss Family Robinson, and it's like, what if I'm, like, Swedish? Yeah. I'm surprised they would, because I guess at that point you have to, like, show your ID. Like, yeah, it's interesting that they will question it. And, like, really, and what... Why can't you just be Anakin? Why does it matter? Like, yeah, that's like, not your name. Like, why would, it, like... Also, it's an Orabesh. How many people are really going to know? That's true. That's true. Which is funny, on Space Mountain, I want to tell this story really fast, um, we found two spelling errors in English, but not, so it was the laser cannon, and there was another really ridiculous spelling error, but they were correct in the Orabesh. So it was like, there was Orabesh on top, and then the English, and they were wrong in English, but not Orabesh. I kind of like that, if they're going to be wrong in one or the other. Uh, and this reminds me, and all of you, if you don't know... Google Translate will now translate English to Orabesh. So you can pop your little sentence in there and push translate. Ta-da! You have it in basic. And really, I really want to make flashcards one day. I like how you called it basic, even though it's English. But isn't basic Orabesh? No, basic is English. I thought basic was Orabesh, and they just spoke it like English. Like, it's different. No, I... Um, we need to... Ha- talk to Pablo about this because I think that there's like an acknowledgement like we're hearing everything in English almost like it's universally translated from whatever it is they're speaking and Galactic Basic is like kind of English-y and Orabesh is really what they're speaking but we're hearing English and seeing English that's yes or something I don't know well Google has Orabesh then I guess you translate English to Orabash, not. So what what we should do is actually have the X-Wing fire its laser cannon at it. <laughs> Basically, yes. And then it'll be cannon also. So um, this is probably, uh, unless you've got anything else, it for our report from Disneyland. Um, because Amy uh, has to run. <laughs> He's being so much nicer. <laughs> I, I don't have to run. But it's really, really crowded, and it feels a little bit like Comic-Con, and that kind of sucks away some of the joy of Disney for me, so... She's like, Brian, you're not enough. (laughs) (laughs) I drove down here for Brian in holiday traffic in L.A., so I think that says something. No, yeah, no, it was... I'm glad you came at all. It was awesome. No, it was really fun. I wish that I did better with crowds so I could stay later, but... Oh, listen to Clone Wars music. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it makes me so happy that they have Clone Wars music playing 
also in the loop of, in Tomorrowland. It's awesome. I don't know if you can hear that at all, but we can, and that's all that matters. Yes. If you want to hear it, come to Disneyland. Leave your children. Just go now. Basically. Englishy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, we'll, you guys will hear more from us later. So, Amy, I'm glad to see that you made it back home safely from Disneyland and that you made it to this press event, which is where we're at now. I did. I had one of those nights last night where it's like the night before Christmas, like when you were little. So I was just too excited about today to go to sleep for a while. So we're in like a giant room in a location that, uh, I don't know, maybe should remain undisclosed. I don't know. Yes, they were pretty serious about this is a secret. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. And uh, like there's all kinds of stuff to do. Like Amy and I met BB-8. Which was awesome. I'm still looking at my pictures of meeting BB-8. Uh, I asked him if he needed a date to the premiere, and it seemed like he was on board with it. So maybe I should follow up with somebody at Lucasfilm. And then, well, I don't know if the guy who's controlling BB-8 has that kind of authority. That's probably sadly true. Um, and then, like, there's just so much stuff to do around here. They're they're premiering, like, they're showing off the Force Awakens from Disney Infinity. They've got all kinds of costumes, like we saw Han and Leia's costume in person. Um, Bob Iger walked by, which was, like, kind of surreal. I can't believe I missed that. I was too busy talking. It's okay. I spotted him for us. Thank you, Brian. And you can also, what, there's a Make Your Own t-shirt. There's uh, a Google Cardboard, like, test-out thing, the new, where you can go to Jakku. It ties in with the Star Wars app. And I'm very excited because right now we're in line to meet 3PO and R2-D2. It's true, and and if there's anything we love, it's R2 and 3PO. After this, we're going to go get, we should go get our pictures taken on that green screen over there and get inserted oh. with, that's, they're, they're oh, putting, yeah, and there's like pictures, pictures you can get with like BB-8 there also. Okay, yes, all the BB-8 pictures, Brian, I need them. So, we'll uh, report back when we know more, but it looks like we're not going to be able to do too much awesome stuff. Are you being... I was like, wait, is he being sarcastic? Um, I guess it's all right. I mean, it's a fine way to spend a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Amy and I are now on the other side. We witnessed both press conferences. There was two of them, actually, and they wheeled just about everybody out. Um, and uh, the first one... Who was it the first one? It was J.J. Abrams. Uh, Daisy Ridley. Adam Driver, Carrie Fisher, and Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence, yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan was there. That was an emotional moment for me. I uh, and then he came out afterwards, and I was just like, "You can ask Amy." I was uh, was getting a little misty eyed. Brian was a little taken with Lawrence Kasdan. He was a little, doing a little bit of a creepy Anakin Skywalker stare. Really, bit. really? No, but you were you were very intent. <laughs> I think that if I would have waved my hand in front of your face, you might not have noticed. I think I could have done the same thing to you in BB-8. That is absolutely true. So, uh, we have the audio from that first part that you'll be able to listen to. And, uh, it was a weird event. Like, no one's seen the movie. They didn't show anything. Uh, they set it up like there was a couch. It was almost like talk show style. They had Mindy Kaling asking the questions. They took a few from the audience, but not many. And it was a room probably... How many journalists do you think were in there? 200? I'm... 
at least 100 for sure. I'm bad at guess looking at crowds and count uh, counting numbers bad. <laughs> um so so here's the audio for that first part. Um and uh you can listen to it. I'm going to be the moderator for the global press conference. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm just really excited to introduce everyone for this, for this panel. The um, first person is J.J. Abrams, director, producer, co-writer of the movie. Uh, Daisy Ridley, who plays Ray. Right here, J.J. on my massive white sofa. Come sit. <laughs> Star Wars fan, um, but I actually am a Star Wars fan because um, Star Wars is um, it's a movie, a series of movies. Like, Carrie, come, come on here, please. <laughs> she needs some convincing. Sure, right next to you. Before and after. movies that come out every holiday season. It really has everything. And um, I thought I would just tell you guys a little bit more about it. Um, I'm here to run this press conference for a movie that needs no introduction, but I love to talk, so I am going to say a little bit more. On May 27, 1977, George Lucas's Star Wars opened in U.S. theaters. No one could have predicted the huge impact the imaginative <coughs> movie would have on people, not just on audiences of the time, but generations to come. The film went on to garner 10 Academy Award nominations, spawn the birth of the visual effects industry, and rewrite the future of filmmaking and filmmakers. The Force Awakens begins a whole new chapter in the storied saga. Good luck, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, while doing research on this, I saw every interview that these guys have done, and I talked to JJ, and I didn't want to ask them any questions that you could just Google the answers for. For instance, if you asked Daisy Ridley how she felt when she was cast, she's going to say, very excited. So I thought I would ask some questions that I've never heard. Actually, um, Adam Driver, you were like, never seen them, not a fan, which I thought was pretty edgy. <laughs> okay, never mind. So, uh, I thought I would start by asking you the question that I think everyone wants to ask you, which is, um, aren't you rich 
why did you want to do these movies? <laughs> Don't you have a hot wife who doesn't need you to be in Abu Dhabi for four months at a time? You want to borrow money from him? <laughs> I need $50,000 for an, an invention. I'll talk to you about it later, but, you know. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, this is a, a project that I felt incredibly lucky to be asked to be a part of. And um, I, I think I, I speak for all of us, uh, except for maybe Harrison when I say uh, this was not a job. I'm kidding. Harrison you know, uh, was, was unbelievable. Uh, but the, the, the process of this movie, the, to a person on the crew, to a person on the cast, this was not a job. And, and it was nothing that uh, I think any one of us took on because it was a gig that was available. It was something that felt like a true passion and something that, that every single person brought much more than any of us could have expected. And so I, I, I do honestly feel honored to be part of this group. Excellent. Um, who was the most difficult actor to work with? <laughs> I have I a guess in my mind who it is. I'm curious who, what you what your answer is. Well, uh, it, was, it was definitely whoever is not on this couch. Got it. Oscar Isaac. Definitely Oscar. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it was uh, everyone was was uh, shockingly and eerily wonderful to work with, uh, and and to get to work with people like Carrie and, and Harrison and Mark and people who I was a fan of since I was 11 years old, uh, and also actors like uh, Lupita and, and Daisy and Adam and John. It, it, it was so much fun to see them work together and to see how that alchemy uh, came out. And it was really a spectacular and fun thing every day on set. Um, that's a good answer. Uh, Carrie, I have a question for you. I'm a big fan of your writing. I love Postcards from the Edge. You coined one of my favorite lines ever, which is, do you always speak in bumper sticker? And I've seen a lot of interviews with you. And do one I thing speak I can in bumper sticker? Okay, never mind. <laughs> one thing I can say about you is that you do not speak in bumper sticker. And I think it's because you get asked a lot of stupid questions. No, that's silly. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, you have an amazing sense of humor. Do you think that Princess Leia has a good sense of humor? She would have to. Wearing those hair pieces. And, <laughs> you know, I do have now a baboon-ass hairstyle. So, uh, and that, I mean that with love. And... So you need a sense of humor for uh, that, that sort of thing. It keeps it lively and fun when you're getting shot at and everything. No, it's it's the hair that really makes you funny. Well, you should know that. This is all someone else's hair. Okay, so then you don't know. Um, <clears throat> Adam, um, Kylo Ren looks hilarious. And normal. <laughs> Again, I have not seen the movie, but in all seriousness, he seems very focused and obsessed. And in my mind, he is like Robert De Niro's character in King of Comedy. Uh, is any of this even approximating the truth? Again, I've not seen the movie. If so, I'm a genius. If not, then what? What is he like? Kylo Ren, Rupert Pumpkin. Is, what is he happened. Rupert Pumpkin? And Lawrence, you can answer this question too. And he makes a lot of videos for his mom. He makes a lot of videos for his mom. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a great cook. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a Scorpio. <laughs> I, I think he's very unpolished and and unfinished and. I think what JJ and Larry did 
keeping all the vocabulary that everyone's very familiar with of Star Wars and the dark side and, and keeping that very much intact, but also adding a kind of recklessness or, or something that's kind of unneat about it that I think people normally associate with uh, the dark side being organized and very, you know, uh, in control and calm and in command. I think that the dark side is extremely organized. <laughs> extremely organized in a very evil way. Yeah. Is that something that you've continued? Well, uh, Larry, if you want to speak to this, but one of our thoughts was to try and do something that felt a little bit different in that regard. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that's why we were so excited about Adam playing this part, because there's never been a character like Kylo in the saga. And um, no, he hasn't got his shit all together, I would say. <laughs> and, uh, and Adam acts it so beautifully because you're, what you're looking at is, you know, you expect to, oh, this is some evil genius, you know. But what you're getting is all the contradictions and the conflict that people feel, any one of us can feel at any moment. That's what's so amazing about it. And, that, and I think that's what's unique about um, what Adam has done. Um, Lupita, you play a former space pirate who now runs a bar. Um, I'm wondering, uh, this seems sort of, to me, like a female Sam Malone from the American TV show Cheers. Does that mean that Yoda is Norm? This may not, you might not know this. I was just going to say, could you talk about your relationship with Yoda? And is it, is it convivial? <laughs> Here, just tell her a little bit about the show Cheers. Sexual, I said. Sexual. Okay. <laughs> 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 my first love. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a movie I would like to see. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie, too. Uh, ideas for Disney. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. What? <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about your character's relationship with Yoda, which is something I like to. Can she? No. Well, I will say this: no. that uh, in an attempt to save my friend Lupita okay. from this uh, slightly uh, awesomely geeky, geeky yeah. question, which is that uh, I do believe that Maz and, and Yoda uh, at one point had crossed paths, but that is not something, of course, due to the uh, events of past films happens in this one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> I, you recently were in a play on um, in New York City, and I'm wondering what the experience was acting with other actors versus what I can only imagine in this was at sometimes a very solitary experience shooting this movie. And well, yeah. Fortunately for me, uh, JJ uh, had me be a part of principal photography, so my very first experience of motion capture was on the actual sets with the actual actors. So I, I, I am eternally grateful to him for giving me that uh, because it was a great way to get into this um, wonderful, crazy thing called motion capture. Uh, I got to be on those sets and see those things and feel them. And, and the art direction in this, there's so much detail, even when you're standing on that set, that it's, it's mesmerizing. And I think audiences are going to be, they're, 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 they're going to have a very immersive experience much like we had filming it. And um, so it was good to have that, and the physicality is something that then carries on into theater for sure. And that was the thing that attracted me to the idea of playing motion capture, the, the idea of working on a character that wasn't limited by my, first, my physical circumstances, and I could, I could work with my body in new ways, and uh, I continued that onto the stage. If I can just say one thing that uh, Lupita would not, which is that uh, uh, she was 
remarkably tireless and uh, and willing to experiment with different versions of this character. And it was kind of an amazing thing to discover over various iterations of Maz what she sounded like, how she moved. Uh, uh, it, it was really, I've never been through this before mm -hmm. with a, an actor where we got to discover again and again and again kind of how to better tell the story we were telling. And it was just, I, I, I always felt guilty every time we started up another session, another we did some reshoots, some <coughs> work, and every single time uh, Lupita was willing and game and, and deeply committed and into finding Maz Kanata's voice. And I, again, I'm, I'm just uh, eternally grateful. Thank you, Jason. Confirm something I came into this thinking, which is that Lupita Nyong'o is a good actress. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked to discover she's a good It never crossed my mind. Uh, <laughs> Daisy, I know we have questions from everyone here, but I was I have a question for you, which is um, athletes have um, a walk-up song, which is when they're entering an arena, they have a song that they've chosen that like, pumps them up and expresses who they are. Ronda Rousey's is Joan Jett's song, Bad Reputation. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering what your character's walk-up song might be. I actually have one. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and uh, uh, not to advertise Disney anymore, but it's Mulan, I'll Make a Man Out of You. I'll Make a Man Out of You is your walk-up song? Yeah, I used to play it in the trailer before I went on. Can we hear a little bit of it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Mr. I'll make a man out of you. It's iconic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think we should open up questions. I have more, but I'll, I'll pop in inappropriately. Yeah, um, uh, okay, I, okay. Uh, you, sir, the glasses. Thank you for letting me come to this. Um, my question is for Mr. J.J. Abrams. What was the most important thing to bring to The Force Awakens from the original trilogy to you? Um, when Kathy Kennedy and, and Larry and I started talking about what this was uh, at the very beginning, the, the, the fundamental question was what did we want to feel? And what did we want people to feel when they came to this movie? And it, that was really the beginning of the, of the discussion. And the answer was uh, the kind of sense of discovery, exhilaration, uh, surprise, the, the, the the comedy that, that George uh, Lucas put into Star Wars kind of was, the, for me, the thing that made me love the movie. But when you look at all the things that he got right, uh, it's impossible and stunning. And so for us, at the very beginning, it was really about knowing why we were telling the story. And, and it was to give people that sense of, uh, of possibility and magic that we all felt uh, when we first saw the uh, original Star Wars. But I will just say that this is all to tell a new story, meaning it's not a nostalgia trip. We had to go backwards in order to go forwards. And if you look at four, five, and six, those are stories that continue. This is seven. So the history of seven will be what we've seen before. So the fabric needed to be that that we are familiar with in order to tell a brand new story. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, um, so this question is for Carrie and Daisy. Um, can you talk a little bit about bringing out the girl power in uh, the original trilogy and also The Force Awakens? No. 
which was really fun, you know, to put things in their drinks and stuff like that. Uh, we drank through the whole trilogy in the beginning. This was a sober set, so um, that's what J.J. brought to this with sobriety. Um, girl power, I, she's more powerful in the girl power. Yes, I'm louder than you. So she takes on the physical power and then I scream at them until they pass out. <laughs> Not scream, I make fun of them. You know, that was what was really fun about uh, doing anything that girl power-esque uh, is bossing men around. I know a lot of you women out there haven't done that yet, and I encourage you to do so <laughs> later this afternoon. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Wait, Daisy, <coughs> oh wait, did Daisy please? Sorry. Yes, exactly. Oh god. Um, well, obviously, uh, Princess Leia and Carrie uh, is a source of inspiration for girls for the past thirty years, um, and I'm definitely not quite there yet. But I hope Ray um, will be something of a girl power figure, and I think with writing like JJ and, and Larry's, um, and with a story of which she is wo woven into richly and holds an important role. Um, I guess there's no other way uh, except to say that she will have some impact in a girl powery way. I'm so not eloquent, sorry. Um, uh, she's she's brave and she's um, and she's vulnerable and she's so nuanced. That's what's so exciting playing a role like this. She doesn't have to be one thing to to embody a woman in a film. And for me, she's not important because she's a woman. She's just important. It just so happens that she's a woman. Like she transcends gender. She's going to speak to men and women. Mm. Um, but obviously we were started with um, Leia, and Leia's still there kicking ass. We got Maz kicking ass too. So it's wonderful to be part of, um, uh, obviously with Kathy at the helm as well, a wonderful crew and cast of wonderful women. Hi, I just want to say, Carrie, you were my first role model when I saw it at seven. Oh, you're mine, your first role model? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I most do. <laughs> um, anyway, for... <laughs> For JJ, you're usually very secretive around your, your films. Was it heart-wrenching for you to let go of some of the footage um, in the no, film? No, no, uh, the, the, the contrary, actually. It was uh, something that while we were working on, on the movie, I, I, I realized how engaged with the fans and forthcoming Luke's film had always been. And my nature, which is to keep things quiet, uh, was something that I was certain we were going to have uh, fights about and my wanting to keep the audience uh, uh, surprised when they went to see the movie. But Disney, to my shock, was arguing to not ruin, not reveal, not show every story beat. And we've all seen trailers for films that literally show you the movie in Cliff's Notes form and then you go to see the film and you're like, yeah, that was literally the movie. I saw it in a two and ten sec, two minute, ten second piece. Uh, so I was very grateful that, that Disney actually took the lead 
on trying to keep things quieter. And you know, obviously, I ask all of you, uh, uh, who we are incredibly grateful for your, your being here, um, that when you do see the movie uh, and hopefully uh, talk about it to your fans and readers and stuff, that uh, that we maintain some level of surprise for people who get to see the movie and and don't have it ruined for them just because it's finally been released, which I cannot wait for, by the way. <laughs> Very such a special film because my husband forbid me forbid me to see the film by myself because um, he said he had, it's an experience that we have to experience together because we're both Star Wars fans. Yeah, but listening to Carrie, you should just boss him around and tell him you'll do what you want. <laughs> I'll try that. But I just wanted to know from the cast members: Do you have family members or friends, or probably you know? I've heard from other people similar so stories that they're forbidden to see the movie without them. So I think it's really funny that people are putting these pressures on people. Or this particular movie. Did you see the movie with our parents? <laughs> Is that your question? No, no, my husband. It wouldn't be fair to see the movie without him because it has to be an experience we have to do together. Yeah, I find that it's really a family experience. You know, I've had people over the years come, I'm showing this to my child that, you know, I didn't want to wait till they were six, so I went with five. <laughs> and you watch your children watch the movie and you learn something about your children and will we like the same characters and Halloween becomes kind of more of a Thanksgiving experience without the turkey. Um, but it's, I just, you see all these pictures of entire families dressed as the characters and it's, I find that so moving, sorry. But I do, it's just an amazingly emotional movie. Question over here. Hey there, I'm Rich Velosky from Skywalking Through Neverland. I'd like to know from each of you what was the scariest moment on your very first day of production, or what was the scariest scene to write from Mr. Kazdan? Uh, you know, I, I don't associate the process with fear. JJ and I um, jumped into the thing under a lot of time pressure, and we had fun. And, and in fact, the first day that we started real work on it, we said, you know, we must have fun with this every day. It's really a privilege, and uh, you have to be very lucky to get to write the next Star Wars. And um, so we didn't really have fear. I think we had trepidation about fulfilling people's expectations, that they be satisfied with what we came out with. But we didn't want them to know what we were going to come up with, and we wanted that this moment that's coming up next week would be a, a fresh moment for the you know as many people in the world who were interested in it. So that's a, the only pressure is: can you do something that's worth that much anticipation? Okay. I want to each of each of you from the cast. What was your the scariest moment that first day of your uh, first day of production? Bad memory. <laughs> not remembering my lines <laughs> that was scary no and I also uh, I'm the custodian of Princess Leia so I never got out of character and I wondered if that would be noticed no uh, but I I was very nervous Just it's been you know 40 years for other people in the, no it's been a long time and uh and I don't like looking at myself at this age in a large way. So that was scary and remains so. Mm -hmm. This question, 
Are we going through? Repeat it, please. For yeah. me, it was uh, I, playing a motion capture character. This was something completely new to me. And walking into a room, I, I had to do this thing where they had to take my picture from all directions at one time. And I had to stand in the middle, and there was 360 cameras all around me. And that freaked me out. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm kind of terrified before most jobs. So uh, the a prospect of this, the, uh, the Star Wars and uh, all the kind of um, iconography associated with it, like I tried to not think about as much as possible. So maybe when it, when it first started, and then, and then kind of suppressing that as much as possible and trying to break it up into moments and then uh, that way. But I don't remember like a... Uh, uh, one one thing in particular that, that uh, that's in particularly terrifying. Um, my whole first day was pretty terrifying. I didn't find a moment that was any less or more than the other. I think for me, it's um, being cast in a role. As everyone knows, I've not really done much before. Um, so other people saw something in me that perhaps I didn't see myself, and I'm still not quite sure if it's there. Um, so. So uh, the fear of not fulfilling that potential uh, was terrifying. Uh, just listening to what Lupita was saying, uh, it just reminded me, people have said to me, uh, I don't understand, you, you cast someone so beautiful as Lupita, and then you had her be a motion capture character, and I think, would it be okay if she were ugly? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, uh, anyway. Uh, I cannot wait for you to see the work that, that everyone on this couch uh, has, has done uh, in the movie. Uh, the scariest day for me was when Harrison Ford was injured, um, which is uh, uh, just absolutely hideous. But the, the every day felt like there were challenges because I knew how important this was to so many people. And I, I, that was never a... Uh, a presence that went away, and, and so every every decision I knew had this importance, and yet we had a day to make, we had a story to tell, and it was always about trying to do the best work possible. Hi. Thank you. Uh, Andy Howell, Science vs. Cinema, and Anna Cool News. This question is for J.J. Abrams. Um, since the original trilogy, we've sent probes to lots of the planets in our solar system, and we've discovered hundreds of new extrasolar planets. Did any uh, thing we've learned from science make its way into the design of planets in this movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> what about Matt? Matt, anything from, you know, English? You, you take that question. You go okay, ahead. yeah. No. <laughs> question here? Hi, Oscar Kamashak News. JJ, um, since you guys, you two were really the brainchilds behind the story, uh, how much did you guys look at the extended universe and the extremely large canon of books that have been written around the Star Wars universe when you decided to make this? Or was it more looking at Return of the Jedi and just figuring out how you guys feel it should have gone? Hey, what um, I think it had more to do with uh, Jedi and the continuation of you know 4, 5, and 6. This is 7. Um, I think you know we were aware, we're respectful of the canon, but we really wanted to tell a story that interested us and delighted us, and we weren't, didn't really want any um, rules and parameters particularly. We just said, well, we can do anything we want with this story. What would be the most fun to, thing to do on this page and the next page and the page after that? 
And that was sort of the guiding principle, I think, more than the canon or anything that had come before. All, all the way over here um, in the front. Well, for the cast, many of us has been thinking about what happened after Return of the Jedi for the past 32 years. Did all of you uh, have those questions and when you got to finally answer them, uh, did it live up to or surprise your expectations? I didn't understand the question. <laughs> and I, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, the whole thing. I've seen them and I've had uh, kind of interest, but I missed the Star Wars boat as it was. So um, I didn't wonder that so much. But even so, it was very exciting finding out what did come after Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I would say that the, um, that it still called Star Wars for me was really, and that sounds, uh, but it's the, it, in a way it's 30 years later, but the exact same things are going on in a way, which I thought was so telling of uh, so true to life that e even though it, I feel like it's very we have such short memories of uh, huge you know uh, uh, events and mass genocide and then, then then we kind of forget about it it seems and there's still the same people are in charge and the same group of people you know younger older everyone comes on and feel that their problems are unique and then it's all a cyclical thing and, and it seems like finding these people uh, and a lot of things have changed, uh, like the setting, but but really the circumstances are, are the same, I felt was very true. And that, for me, was uh, what I took for uh, well, less plot points and like, oh, I always knew that, you know, uh, uh, Leia would be doing this or, or Solo would be doing this, more like uh, um, nothing really changes. So that answered your question. Question here. Hi guys, uh, this is for JJ and Lawrence. Um, the names of the characters have always been really unique in Star Wars. What's the process that you guys use to come up with new ones, and did you use any that were left over from Mr. George Lucas? I don't know if there were any left over. Um, I think the criteria was, did we, did we like it? That was it, really tough criteria. Did it sound good to say it? Did it feel good to type it? Yeah. And don't you think? Yeah, and a lot of names came and went, uh, and some names stuck. And uh, I remember when we put down BB-8, uh, it was a name that it was the first and only name that droid ever had. But we, we called the BB-8, and we still do, uh, Ray and, and Finn and Poe went through many iterations. Uh, Kylo Ren was Kylo Ren fairly early on, and there was a sort of backstory, and Maz Kanata, I think, was always Maz Kanata, so there, it's, it's, and we changed Leia's name. No, we didn't really do it. was a product of spell check. <laughs> Hi, this message. Uh, this question is for JJ. Are there Ewoks in the movie? That's all I want to know. <laughs> all I want to know is are there Ewoks? <laughs> um, living? Living. <laughs> Listen, if a man can't joke with friends. Uh, no, there, there are no Ewoks uh, in, in this film, but uh, you'll that find... That you're a, aware of. That's right. 
There were rumors that some snuck onto set, uh, but there are a lot of them in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> uh, I think uh, maybe you might have a question. I have, I have some more questions. Um, Lawrence, this is a question for you. Yeah. Um, as a writer, I find I get a lot of inspiration from movies that have nothing to do with what I'm writing about. I always look to the, the movie The Fugitive, because yeah. I just love the script. And I was wondering, and the answer just could be no, is there any movie that you looked to or thought about when you were writing this one oh, that yeah. would surprise you? Uh, the, all the movies of Akira Kurosawa have influenced me throughout my career. That's because he was sort of the Shakespeare of cinema. He did comedies, he did action films, he did Shakespearean drama, and all of life is contained in each one of his films. Seven Samurai, maybe the greatest film ever made, is, you know, it's a personal drama, it's an action picture. So uh, when JJ and I were working, we kept referring to that, and then we would talk about the great American movies that we loved and things that had influenced uh, the first Star Wars, which was Howard Hawks and, and John Ford and, um, you know, all the uh, Flash Gordon and because when George made A New Hope, he was influenced very much by Kurosawa and by Flash Gordon and by The Wizard of Oz. Mm. And I think that all those movies, are you can feel them in A New Hope, and everything that's in A New Hope has come down through the, through the movies to this day, I think. And JJ, you drew inspiration from the movie Clueless when you were talking about <laughs> yes. that. That, to me, was the fundamental... Uh, <laughs> the relationship between those girls. Yes, you know, uh, I don't like to talk about it. Am I wrong? I thought you I... no. Okay, you're absolutely right. It was clueless. That was. The... No, was let's take a, clueless. Let's take it. Let's take That's another. That's a joke. Okay. Question here. Another question. Hi, this question is for Adam. Star Wars has a legacy of really great antagonists. Can you talk about carrying that forward with Kylo Ren? Uh, well, I think a lot of it's not uh, beyond my control, I, I would say. I, I, again, I, I feel like I knew, was so aware of the movies and like my uh, friend's kids now, that they don't know anything about, they haven't seen the movies, but are somehow so aware of everything that happens. And I think that's how I was introduced to them, through like, the merchandising and uh, the toys and um, you know stormtrooper helmets and things like that. And, uh, so I, I feel like uh, we t- tried to sub- uh, not think about that as much as possible. And then I remember early on, we uh, not not think of him being bad or, or evil or um, a villain and try to make something uh, that was a more three-dimensional, because uh, that, that to me, I guess, when we were talking originally, seemed uh, more dangerous and more un- unpredictable, someone who feels morally justified in doing whatever they need to to uh, publicly kind of state that what they're doing is right seemed kind of... Um, uh, something more active to play than just being evil for the sake of it. That, that, that's uh, it's not really fun to play, I, I guess. Adam, I was going to ask you, you've worked with two of my friends. One of them is Lena Dunham, and one yeah. of them is J.J. Abrams. Are they in <laughs> any way similar? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, in, the, in uh, an, an amazing ability to compartmentalize and and uh, I mean, they do this both in, in very different ways. Sociopaths. But, so, sorry, they're both crazy. They're both <laughs> nuts. Um, I think that uh, I would imagine the the uh, 
the, the weight of something like Star Wars. The, if it was me, I would go nuts, you know, having to be the, the kind of spearhead above it, and everyone's looking to you, ans- asking you questions, and JJ was consistently calm and couldn't have been more collaborative. And I feel the same with with, with Lena. Um, I mean, much is made about how young she is, but just because you can't help but compare the, or imagine what you were doing at 22 or 23. Uh, She's not so that young. Not she's like 28 or 29. Yeah, now, like, yeah. yeah. It's fine. I mean, like, she's like kind of young, time, but like yeah. not like a wonder kid. She's not like Daisy. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for answering that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. I'd love to stay to the end of the credits of every movie, so I'm just wondering, is there an Easter egg or an extra scene at the end of this that we should look forward to? No, there's not. Well, there will be now, though. Good. All the scenes are actually in the movie, right? Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if there's a scene at the end. I have a question about costumes. Okay, um, my first question is for J.J. Abrams. Which was the most difficult costume to put together? And then for each of the characters, I'd like to know how long it took you to get into costume. Uh, so the, the, the costume that was the most challenging, I think, for us to arrive at, and Michael Kaplan, the costume designer, uh, I cannot wait for you to see what he's done in this movie. There are so many cool, and th- many you have not seen uh, at all, uh, costumes that are, are extraordinary. The, the most difficult one was Kylo Ren, and we went through, I, I don't know how many hundreds and probably thousands of, of iterations and, and different versions. And one of the great things about that was, over the course of that, the costume for uh, Captain Phasma was designed that was actually pitched as a Kylo Ren costume originally. And for story reasons, it didn't make sense. It didn't work, but we suddenly realized, oh my god, this is one of the greatest looking costumes I've ever seen. And, and uh, he, then she, became one of my favorite uh, characters in the movie, but the, uh, the design of, of Kylo Ren was the most difficult one, and when we finally saw the mask and that, the beginning of that design, it was really instantly clear that was the winner, and uh, I'm very grateful to uh, Michael and his whole amazing team. Did, did, was there a question about? Yeah, if, if, if they could tell us how long it took to get into the costume. Uh, 20 minutes? <laughs> Does that seem long or short? That's amazing. Obviously, I had well, because putting the, the arms things on and everything takes a while, and the wraps and everything. I had a wonderful woman called Callie helping me. I think the first time took like an hour and a half, and then we got it down to like twenty minutes. For me, it took about well, my costume. I, I didn't have a costume because I was a, a motion capture character, but to get suited up. <laughs> took about, in the beginning, it took like two and a half hours, maybe three. And then by the end, we had it down to about an hour, an hour 15. Lupita had dots on her teeth. Yeah. Like everywhere. She had dots all over the place. And it was, I, I actually, not until today, have I met her without dots. <laughs> I'm still finding them in things. Like in shoes. <laughs> Uh, I was ready like that. <laughs> Show up, ready to go. Uh, how long did it get, take to get in the costume? About uh, 10 minutes for the 20. I'm older and I do it faster. 
No, really, 20 minutes. I, I have a kind of uh, classy gas station attendant look. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> so that doesn't oh take long to That's put That's my on. favorite thing of a classy gas station. <laughs> well, look at it. Or okay, I would well. say I was a, an airplane uh, repair Mechanic. person with a nice vest over that and uh, different hair than most uh, airplane mechanics would normally have. I don't mean the baboon ass hair, it's other. <laughs> the end. <laughs> last question. I'm going to figure out that analogy to the Babu Nas by the end of this. <laughs> no, There's you been, won't. <laughs> There's been so much amazing publicity for this film. Lots of hype and product tie-ins and SNL sketches and all kinds of stuff. And uh, this weekend, Carrie's amazing interview on Good Morning America went viral. And that's been my favorite piece so far. So I wanted to ask if we can expect to see Gary as some kind of long-tongued alien in the film. I wish. I begged JJ. And, and Gary was willing to sleep with JJ. <laughs> and I mean nap, but still. Yeah, that was the enticement. <laughs> That's why I didn't go forward. He didn't like having him on the set. That's not true. Oh, it oh, is. Oh, it is true. not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go get Jerry, and Gary wasn't His allowed. Name's Gary. His name's Alan. <laughs> he was not allowed here today because of the whole tongue rule. <laughs> JJ Abrams is not a fan of animals, and on that note, I think we have to bring up the second, the second group of of, of of performers and actors. Guys, thank you so much. Thank oh, you. good. So that was a really interesting experience to witness. Um, it seemed like the vibe I got from everybody, like uh, like Carrie Fisher's just sort of like, you never know what she's going to say at all. Like, <laughs> I love it. She had so many quotable moments. I particularly liked when she described Leia's new look as classy gas station attendant and made fun of the hair and... I loved when her and JJ argued about Gary, about having her dog Gary on set and whether JJ, oh, it was just, she's just a goddamn national treasure. She really is. No, I don't know. It's weird. Like you guys will all be able to listen to it, but it, it was, it was weird sitting there in the audience. I was kind of a little, like I wasn't starstruck. I was taking notes. Um, I loved that bit that Lawrence Kasdan did about, uh, Kurosawa and seven samurai and, uh, like, I mean, he practically wrote a column for me um, during that answer. And, and I'm glad that, that that question was asked because that was the question I wanted to ask, uh, that I always ask, that many of the people who I ask that question to don't answer anymore. Like, Filoni's just like, I'm not going to tell you because you know what's going on. Um, you can put those pieces together. But uh, I don't know. If we sound weird, it's because I think we're still sort of like days like like it was surreal it's just one of those oh that just happened we just watched the cast of new star wars talk about star wars without telling us anything about the movie and watching them interact together was really they seem like a fun cast yeah so uh 
going on to part two, you'll be able to listen to it now. Part two was Harrison Ford, who it was weird. Like every like that guy looks like Han Solo, which now that I say that, it's obvious because he is Han Solo, but like his mannerisms, the way he looks, like he's not playing a character. That guy is just Han Solo, and he just kind of doesn't care a little bit. You know what I mean? No, Harrison Ford doesn't care about anything, and he shouldn't because he's Harrison Ford. Particularly not John Boyega. Oh, those two had this, and you'll hear it in the audio, they had a great back and forth. I think it's like a bit is hilarious. Um, and Oscar Isaac just seems like the coolest dude in the galaxy. I just want to be that guy's friend and talk movies with him. I didn't be his friend and do other things with him. Amy Radcliffe. <laughs> He's a very attractive man. And I think of them, Gwendolyn Christie was also really charming too, but John Boyega was just, he's a fanboy, and you can tell, and that's really endearing. I really, uh, yeah, no, he, like... I just, I think, I imagine, I don't know if I actually did, uh, had just a smile on my face the whole time because it was, it was weird, like, being in the room and seeing all of this stuff. And I don't know how much it's going to come across on, um, how much of it came across on social media as people, like, watched. I, I know I tweeted stuff out and it got picked up, and I'm sure you did too, Amy. Uh, I don't know, we'll have to ask Mike and Bobby what it was like, sort of, watching it unfold on social media and then listening to it. And maybe we'll have to compare notes after, uh, after we get to talk to those guys and they've had a chance to listen to everything. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what their take on, take on it was or anybody's who was just getting that via type rather than, I hope, I hope some of the dynamic between everybody comes through on the audio. I think it will. So here's part two. The first person I'd like to introduce is Harrison Ford. Um, John Boyega, Gwendolyn Christie, and Oscar Isaac. Um, hi guys. Hi. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say that when JJ asked me to do this, he asked me to um, not ask questions that you'd already been asked at your junkets. So I am not going to ask questions that I've seen. So, um, yeah. So I think I think it'll go I think it'll go well. Great. So my uh, first question is for you, Mr. Ford, and I asked a similar question to JJ, which is, um, aren't you rich? Why are you doing? <laughs> Thank you. It's because it's what I do. It's what I like to do. It's what's fun for me. Um, and um, and uh, I had a chance to work with people that I really admire doing something that uh, I thought was going to be fun and which actually turned out to be fun. Um, and to work with JJ, whose uh, work I had really admired and long known about. And uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Kathleen, um, I know that 
we can't really talk about, I can't ask you what's in the movie. Can you talk about what's definitely not in the movie? George <laughs> <laughs> Jar Jar's definitely not in the movie. <laughs> oh. Ewoks are not in the movie. Oh. All right, that's because Harrison insisted upon it. John? I'm going to open this up, by the way. It won't just be me talking to you for 45 minutes. Um, you, I love to attack the block, and you. you are poised, in my opinion, to be an international heartthrob. And um, soon you will be a fixture at Victoria's Secret runway shows and the Chateau Marmont. And my question is, um, do you have an attorney, and are you excited about this? I have an attorney, yes. Yes, okay. Yes. I'm, I'm looking to be rich like Harrison. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to have planes yeah. and do all that stuff. Yeah. So, absolutely. <laughs> Harrison, would you agree? <laughs> um, okay. Um, my, uh, I've, we're we're going to open this up to uh, these guys, and I have questions for you too as well. So let's keep some questions for them. Mr. Ford, could you Where just? Are you? Oh, right here. Sorry. Oh, hey. Hi. Could you just talk about what it means to you to be the, that that uh, one of the bridges between the original series and this this new generation? Uh, it's uh, gratifying uh, to be asked to be part of this. Uh, there was a uh, interesting. Um, story to tell for the through the character. Um, it's always nice uh, to anticipate working in something that you know people will have an appetite for. Uh, this is not a crapshoot. This is <laughs> this is a big casino, and it's fun to play uh, with these toys again. It, it, it's been a great experience. Thank you. Here. Yes, Ms. Kennedy. Um, I guess it's most for you and Judge. I guess uh, how do you make sure that this installment make way for what Ryan and Colin are developing? Did you guys map out the whole three movies already? Uh, we haven't mapped out every single detail yet, but um, obviously everybody's talking to one another, working together, and that uh, collaboration I think is what is going to guarantee that um, everybody's got a say in how we move forward with this. And so far, it's going great. I mean, JJ and Ryan have already talked at length because Ryan's about to start shooting episode eight. These guys are getting ready to head over uh, in January. And then Colin will start working with Ryan and, and spend a lot of time on the set with us. Gwendolyn, um, I was going to ask you a question. Uh, what character could you be if you could be any other character in Star Wars? And the reason is, for me, um, I'd be, I think I'd be suited as a singer in Java's band, just as like a, a reference. Is there anyone else that you wish, or you would think that you think is a cool character to play? Someone that I would be suited to, or just someone I'd like to play? Both. It would be an interesting time. Oh, both. That's tough. Um, a character I don't really think I would particularly be suited to, but would definitely like to play, is, of course, Han Solo. You have a swagger. I think that's a defining I, I might have just like a modicum of swagger <laughs> opposed to the 
Grand Canyon that's at the end of the sofa. Grapestone, maybe? I don't know. It's just you. I'm grateful for the kind attention. Um, excellent. You got another question? Mr. Farley. Hello, uh, from Italy. Uh, what, what is the bigger difference between these Star Wars and the first Star Wars? How does it feel, uh, you know, being back on the set for Star Wars? Uh... What is the difference? Is that part of the question? Uh, you know, I, I think we're, you're, it's hard to, to, to say what the difference is. I can tell you how it feels. It feels familiar. It feels uh, um, uh, good. It's good to be home. Uh, as it, as uh, Han said in the trailer, uh, in the teaser trailer, it's a uh, you know I'm aware of the value that's placed uh, on on these films by the audience, and uh, and I'm gratified that they've been passed on. Uh, the first three. Uh, have been passed on generationally through families and that there's still an audience for those of us that were in the original film. There's still some uh, uh, value to them in, in interpreting life somehow. And it's a, and it's a bit of a mystery, but it's, a, but it's very gratifying to be part of that. I have a question. Um, what was the difference in the rap parties between <laughs> the first movie and this one? Um, it was really hard um, to get a drink at the last rap party. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> it was, right, Oscar? It was very hard to get a drink. I didn't know where the bar was. It was so big. Question over here. Hi, question is for Harrison Ford. Um, as a parent, hi, I'm over here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, as a parent, what's it like um, telling your kids you're coming back to this franchise? Did, did that like up the cool factor once again for you with them? I don't. My kids do not think I'm cool at all. <laughs> and being in this movie is not going to convince them otherwise. <laughs> I, uh, no, uh, they're just glad to see that dad is still working. <laughs> yeah. um, Oscar, um, in my experience, there's always one actor on a set where everyone goes to their trailer to listen to music and to get high. Um, I know that none of you guys do drugs because you're professional. This is a Disney movie. It's not a drugs are bad, but um, what tra whose trailer did you go to to hang out? I went to my trailer. Did anyone go to yours to hang out? 
Yeah. Yours was the hair. It was mostly going between Carrie and my trailer. That was Those are the party trailers. Oh, John. Yes. Did you hang out in your trailer or could you go to also go to Carrie? Uh, no, no, I didn't go to Carrie's trailer. I didn't. No, no. <laughs> my uncle came to visit. My uncle came to visit. He's a huge Star Wars fan. And I, I mean, he's so obsessed with Star Wars. And uh, I lost him. I couldn't find him. And I heard all of this laughter coming out of Carrie's trailer. And I went in there. And he was there just with the dog, with Gary Fisher, her dog, uh, just hanging out with them. <laughs> Theo, what are you doing here? Get out of there. Uh, yeah, so that was a fun place to hang out. Hi, uh, Jim McQuarrie with Geek Dad. Um, the question I have, as you may know, um, Star Wars is basically a religion now. Uh, several thousand military personnel list, list their religious affiliation as Jedi, and there are lots and lots of Star Wars weddings. Are you, the new cast members, are you prepared to ascend to the level of at least sainthood? And uh, Mr. Ford, have you any advice for them, or is there any hope that you could even tell them anything that would help them deal with that? I, you know, I, I think uh, my advice is pretty much limited to look both ways before you cross the street, <laughs> stuff like that. That's solid advice. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think but I'm not going to tell them how to navigate this very personal space of trying to figure out, you know, the careers that they've, <laughs> careers that they've chosen for themselves. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it is b bizarrely individual how you navigate the space uh, between uh, where they're at now and the rest of your useful uh, uh, professional life, but they're in for a big ride, <laughs> and uh, and they know it. I think. I hope you know it. Yeah. <laughs> well, these they didn't have a chance to answer their part of the question, did they? No. No. I don't remember what the question was. I don't either. How are you ready for sainthood? The sainthood? Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for this whole thing. I just know that I'm just in it, and it's going to come out regardless. But it should be fun. Uh, you'll let me sleep on your couch. It's stuff go a wall, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hardly know you. <laughs> what best friends? He's just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is for Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, were you prepared for how Captain Phasma became kind of an instant sensation among fans? And as a, a second part to that, uh, do you think that that positioned you possibly for a really strong run at the Captain Marvel role if, uh, if Marvel happens to offer it? I was very surprised and heartened at the overwhelming response to the character of Captain Phasma. Um, but I really felt that what Kathleen and JJ and everyone had created at Star Wars was, I think JJ's been open about the fact that he wanted to 
uh, respect the origins of the films and celebrate them, but to, to bring them into the modern day. And confirmation of that seemed to be, to me, in this amazing character of Captain Phasma, who is Star Wars' first on-screen female villain. And more than that, this is a character who, so far, we have related to due to her choices, due to her character, and not due to the way she has been made in flesh. And conventionally, that is how we have related to female characters. So this, to me, felt very progressive. And the, the response from the audience and the fans has been so celebratory. It makes me, me think that this is what the kind of thing people want to see. People want to see a more diverse reflection of society. Uh, and I feel incredibly privileged to play that part. If anyone else wants to offer me any work, then I am very grateful and willing to listen. <laughs> have a question for Kathleen. Um, thank you for that tidbit about Jar Jar, but I wanted to ask, I mean, why, would, why the unprecedented level of secrecy around this film? I've never covered a film junket where the media couldn't see the film in advance, the cast seems terrified of letting anything slip, some of them <laughs> said they haven't even seen the film, so why did you go to those extremes? I think, you know, right from the beginning we've respected the fans, and, and the fans have really been the ones uh, focused around making sure that Everybody and anybody who walks into this movie gets to be surprised. We have so little things that surprise us anymore when you walk in to see a movie. It's all told in the trailers. It's, it ends up online way in advance. And I think, you know, that's something that overwhelmingly, I've even had people say to me, I, I don't want to read anything at all so that they can get in to the theater and actually have a, a, a pleasant surprise. So that, that's really all that's driving it. And we've respected that in all ways we can. I, was, I can't remember the last time I went to see, the last time I went to see a movie that I didn't know anything about was Boxing Helena. <laughs> remember that one? That was the last time that I remember seeing a movie that I didn't know anything about. That's a dizzy of a movie to not Yeah, that was, that was like, I was in eighth grade. I, we, we just saw the poster. We they saw cut up all her limbs. Yeah, they yeah. cut up all of her limbs. We didn't know that going in. We just saw, we just saw like a female body. We're like, uh, yeah, we're good. Just make sure they know that does not happen. That doesn't happen. No Georgia, no female limbs cutting off. Cronenberg is a cheerful movie maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, another question. Hi. Um, well, sort of on that note, it's kind of a shame that we don't know, us in this room don't know what happens in the movies because then we can't really talk about the themes, the greater themes that people should take away or that you hope they will take away. Uh, but John, uh, you in particular, we saw with the Black Stormtrooper, the, the casting alone made headlines and was a, a, a conversation starter. So, knowing that this is a huge global cultural event, can you folks tell us all um, what you hope the film, the story, what happens in the, st in the, in the film, uh, how it reflects upon the world today, and what is important for people to, to come away from the movie with? So, so, so what's your question? <laughs> I mean, okay, well, yeah, sure. Um, what is... What, this is why they should see the movie, so they don't ask questions. Okay. <laughs> well, no, but the, the greater cultural impact of The Force Awakens, what, what do you hope it is? Um, for me, I, I, 
I'm going to be honest, I really don't care about the Black Stormtrooper stuff. I couldn't care less. Uh, this is a movie about human beings, about Wookiees, spaceships and TIE fighters. And uh, it has uh, an undertone and a message of, of courage um, and, and a message of friendship and, and loyalty. And I, and I think that's something that is uh, ultimately important. I watched the movie uh, with Kathy just uh, last, last week and I, I really re relate to Ray more than any of the characters. And to be in a circumstance where you have to uh, uh, find something bigger that, uh, than who you are within yourself is something that's inspirational to me. And, and I think that people will take that away. In terms of the kids, all they're going to be concentrating on is BB-8. Yeah. Hi. My question's for John and Oscar. I know you guys both reprise the roles for um, Disney Infinity 3.0. And I, knew, I know you, John, are a big fan of the series, so I was wondering, what was, what was it like to reprise the roles for the game? And was there any time between finishing the movie and, and going back to those characters for the game? Yeah, I've had to go back twice. Uh, once, uh, once for Disney Infinity and the second time for, uh, for Star Tours, the ride at Disneyland. And it's, it's been... <laughs> to, be a, to be a playable character, I get to play with myself. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, I had to tell that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's been amazing. It was it was fun, and uh, the characters in Disney Infinity are are, are, are more of the childlike uh, versions of the characters in the movie. So so that was very cool. Yeah, I had never done anything like that before. So that was that was very fun to be able to do. Um, yeah, and it is. It is. It's a slightly more energetic, yeah, uh, amped up child. I'm version. Finn, and I'm in charge now. You know, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Question over here. Uh, hi guys, this is for the uh, three newcomers. I was curious how much of your characters' backstories you were told ahead of time, uh, especially while you were developing the characters, and and how that informed you know, where you came in with it. I think this has been one of the coolest things about working on this with, with JJ and with Lucasfilm is that there's been a real sense of collaboration with, uh, with that kind of thing. There's, there's it's almost a bit of a sandbox element of it. You know, we, we, we could talk about those things and, 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 and there was an evolution of the characters from even from the first meeting uh, with JJ and Kathy and Larry to what ended up on screen. Uh, I mean, for example, with me, I, I started talking, after we started filming, I was talking a bit about, uh, you know, just kind of talking about where Poe could have been from. And the thing is, in, in New Hope, at the very end of New Hope at the medal ceremony, uh, one of Guatemala's claim to fame is that that last shot where the ships are leaving, where you see the temples, was shot in Guatemala. And, uh, and then for me, the fact that I was born there, uh, and that's a rebel base, and I'm playing a, rebel, a resistance fighter, rebel fighter, I thought, you know, maybe Poe was there. He was, you know, that's where he's from. And then this comic book comes out <laughs> called Shattered Empire, where Poe's parents ended up going to Yavin, Yavin 4 and, and making sweet love. And, <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so that's an amazing thing. It's the first time that you know talking about where a character could have come from ends up in a comic book, and it's uh, it's 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 kind of a it's a beautiful thing. It feels like we're creating these these things together. Um, 
So yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't know much going in because uh, obviously because of the spoilers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, I, I, I do remember having the sides which were loosely based on, on who Finn and, and, and Ray was. But I just remember during my um, time screen testing, I was like to Daisy, there's no way that our stories are so simple and we still don't know. <laughs> so I'm, I st I've still got some conspiracy theories as a fan as to, to where Finn comes from and uh, I'm still trying to figure that out but I like that it's a mystery I like that yeah, mine was similar I mean I was so uh, heartened that it was a genuine creative uh, experience to work with JJ about who the character was and to develop that together and um, really without um, horribly ruining everything for everyone. I think it could be, it's interesting to see where uh, my character may go. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. I'm interested. You're in, well, at least you're interested. Question here. Hi, uh, my question is for uh, the newcomers. You three are obviously huge Star Wars fans. You've talked about it many times. I'm wondering if you read any of the theories online, if you follow any of the fan conversation, and if so, if you could sort of say maybe what your favorite rumor is that you've heard that you go, oh my God, people are really saying this? People really think this is going on? The Jar Jar is Kylo Ren. <laughs> I kind of wish that would be the show, too. <laughs> Um, I remember reading this, uh, the theory that, that Finn is Mace Windu's grandson or something like that. And uh, I was at a party and someone behind me just tapped me on the, shul on the shoulder and was just like, Yo, Black Jenna! I turned around, it was Samuel Jackson. And so that was a moment that was uh, quite profound. <laughs> impossible to follow what John has just said uh, and I have not I'm maybe I should start I should start shouldn't I I've not followed any fan theories at all um, I'm just gonna say because I've been busy with Game of Thrones oh. <laughs> is Jon Snow alive or dead <laughs> read my bits in the script, I've got no idea. <laughs> my, question's, uh, my question's for Mr. Ford. Um, how difficult was it for you to slip back into the role, and how did you prepare to come back to Han Solo? Uh, and is it easier to originate a role, or was it easier to come back to something familiar? <clears throat> Um, it seemed easy to come back uh, to the character. Um, clothes make the man. I had walked more than a mile in those boots. Um, I was uh, uh, interested in the in the the. the the described path of the character. I thought there was uh, an interesting um, bit of business for the character to do. And I had been 
I've been having a real good time with J.J. Abrams talking about it and, and getting ready uh, uh, for the adventure of filming. So I was, it, it, was, it, it was easy. I can attest to the fact that for all of us that were there, the second he walked in to the Millennium Falcon and said his first line, he, Han Solo was back. So it was pretty instantaneous. Uh, my question is for Mr. Boyega. Um, when you found out you were going to be using what appears to be the Skywalker legacy lightsaber, how did that feel as an actor? Were you oh, it, 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 it was... Uh, I was very excited to use that thing uh, because I think blue suits me. Um, and, and also, it was, it was amazing for me to read the whole script and to find out all the thing, things that Finn gets to do. And for me, it's like... I feel like for some reason, did JJ know what kind of fan I was when it came to Star Wars and write this role for me? Because I get to wear a Stormtrooper suit, a Rebel jacket, I have a, 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 a blaster, I use a lightsaber, I hang out with freaking Han Solo and Chewie. It's just fantastic. Did, did, you, Harrison. did you have any concerns about getting them hacked off? Did you have any concerns about getting a limb hacked off? I did, I did, because Adam Driver has a really long reach, and, uh, and that's, an issue. that's an issue, but, you know, I've I done my Floyd Mayweather thing, just bob and weave. Um, Oscar, I have a question for you, um, because my mind goes always towards romance, um, and, and I think that, I was saying this in the other one, that um, the reason why I love Star Wars so much, even though people don't necessarily think of me uh, and this franchise, is that it has... The parts there are parts in it that are better than any romantic comedy, and parts, and then there's action movies, buddy comedies, interspecies friendships, everything you would want. <laughs> but my question is, I first saw you in Romeo and Juliet um, in New York, and then I saw you and Carrie had such acrimonious chemistry in Lewin Davis. And can you speak about any romance with your character in mm. this movie? Yeah, I think mostly with BB-8. <laughs> inter Surprising. yeah interdroid would you call that or it, yeah there's uh, that's there's some yeah there's a real warmth there and there's a give and take and that's uh, that's who's got his back in that in that X-wing you know so let's say if there's any real romance for Poe it's with that those two little balls. <laughs> The idea of um, an athlete's. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you about um, athletes' walk-up songs, which is um, the song that an athlete will have when they come out into an arena. And um, Ronda Rousey, for uh, example, comes up to Joan Jett's song "Bad Reputation." Did you have a like a like a walk-up song for your character? Is this to me? This is to you. <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of it because it's just coursing through my brain now. It's that one that goes da 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 Exactly that. Okay. Good to know. 
from Second Broadcasting. Question for all the cast and Mr. Harrison Ford. Uh, I'm just curious that first day you guys walk in the shoe and what was the number one thing that you tell yourself do not offend Han Solo? Otherwise, he's gonna walk off the set. You did offend Han Solo, didn't you? Or me? <laughs> did I offend you? Did I say you look old on? Because I don't think I said that. <laughs> no, that wouldn't have offended me at all. I didn't say that, I said you no. look good. Right? That's what I said. I don't remember what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Best friend, eh? Not paying a lot of attention to you. <laughs> Didn't you do you, you you did too, right? No, no, I'm smooth. <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> Was the question, if, if not to offend, what did you do to not offend Har Harrison Ford? Is that the first day? Okay. I have to say, though, yeah. that there was a moment on the Falcon where <laughs> Harrison, uh, you had the blaster in your hand and you were trying to skillfully put it in the holster, holster and Harrison was stood there Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! And me and Daisy were just behind the camera, just like, this is freaking insane. Harrison, this is freaking right there. But we had to do the scene together and not and not freak out because it was like mesmerizing to see Harrison in this environment in the movies that we absolutely loved. And it was good to see you with, with Chewie. We freaked out, but we didn't show you nothing. We tried to keep it professional for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think we can take one more question. Over here. Hey, I just have a really simple question. I wanted to know, um, what were your favorite parts of the original franchise movies? And maybe how did those like moments affect your performances in the movies you're in now? Uh, my, my, my favorite part, I think, was when, uh, in Return of the Jedi, when Darth Vader's helmet comes off and you see that he's just a soft, sad, old, vulnerable man underneath. Uh, I don't know how that affected my performance, but uh, that, that, that's my, that was my favorite part. Okay. Uh, I just remember, I was about six when I saw the film, and I remember being so struck by the character of Princess Leia and thinking even then in my infant mind, this seems different to the other women I see in films. I'm feeling very, very inspired by that uh, and inspired by a woman with such tenacity and being so strong-minded. Uh, and I asked Carrie Fisher if, she, I said I felt like watching your performance 
implanted a seed in my mind and Carrie said that she did plant a seed actually in my mind. <laughs> I assume you're not talking about the scene in the, in the snake bikini sitting on Jabba the Hutt's lap. Not that, no. No, no, no. not that. That's my favorite. <laughs> I, I remember I remember during the um, audition, it's not from the original films, but during the audition I had screen tested and then I heard that I was gonna be brought back one last time. And mind you, I, I had been at audition for several, several months um, and I just needed inspiration. And I, and I went on YouTube and I saw Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill's original audition tape just on YouTube and that really um, inspired me to you know tap into the Star Wars-esque energy because I think that's what that was something that we were trying to to, to gauge um, and, and that really uh, in, inspired me and I booked it <laughs> thanks Harrison so great I think that's it Okay, so that was the whole press conference. This has been a massive episode. So we did, we were at Disneyland, which was awesome. And we were at this press conference. And like, what else? Like the press conference, they had like all the merchandise. They had Battlefront set up for people to play. They had, yeah. Oh, I missed the Battlefront part. Rats. Uh, Because they had Disney Infinity too. And you could make a t-shirt. And they had BB-8 and R2-D2 and 3PO taking turns so you get pictures with them there's a lot to do and you guys have to it was the most adorable thing uh amy um asked bb8 out on a date uh and you can go look where can people find this because it's just it was it was the sweetest thing i've ever seen (laughs) um i got a little starry-eyed around bb8 not gonna lie i tweeted it and also on instagram and i'm amy underscore geek at both places it was it was adorable. And I got all kinds of extra pictures for you that I'll have to send you. Excellent. I'm going to create... Would it be creepy if I made like a BB-8 and Amy Forever scrapbook? If Bonnie Burton can marry R2, <laughs> you can make a scrapbook. Okay. I might do that. Um, so that was... that. that uh, any final thoughts before we end the, the Brian and Amy super show in Los Angeles? Um, not really. I'm just glad I got to do this with you. We were like each other's Star Wars support buddies, except for when I abandoned you at Disneyland because it was too crowded. But other than that, I'm glad we had experience today together. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still sort of in a daze. Like, I don't know how this is going to be to listen to, and it'll be really interesting to hear how we sounded before (laughs) and now how we sound after because. Like, holy crap, that just happened. That's still where I am. Yeah, no, seriously. So we we left, we walked out, and they just had this lounge set up for the press. And I mean, there was all kinds of people we knew there, like um, Trisha Barr was there, Lucas Siegel was there, Eric Geller was there. Um, People you know if you listen to other podcasts or or read Star Wars news on the internet. And uh, we were just kind of sitting around, and oh, there's John Boyega walking by, and he's just being his jovial self, or... Oh, there's Daisy Ridley walking by, and oh, there's BB-8 below her. Or yeah, when Lawrence Kasdan walked in the room, and I was just like, and got ice cream. He got some. He sampled some Star Wars ice cream. He he chose light side. Yeah, and the light side was very good. They had samples of that for us. The light side's like marshmallow ice cream. It was tasty. 
And you had the dark side. Yeah, that was chocolate. And that was tasty, but... Yeah, I betrayed light side for chocolate. It happened. Lawrence Kasdan would not approve. (laughs) He wouldn't. Let's not tell him. (laughs) I would would murder it to... I would murder someone to to interview Lawrence Kasdan. Probably any of the other journalists in that room. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that and you can just request one and see what happens. I would... uh, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to try that because I think that would be... That would make sense. Maybe I could get the whole like, hey, I do. I write uh, about cinema for StarWars.com. Maybe they could let me interview him. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe they don't care. I, you don't know until you ask, Brian. Okay, I'll try that. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, for uh, Amy Radcliffe and Brian Young and uh, Mike Pilot and Bobby Roberts, who I wish so desperately could have been there with us. Uh, the Force will be with you, always. If you'll not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.